0: I'm Lindsay with Wild Root Flower Company.
1: And I'm Shannon from Bloom Hill Farm. Over the last six years, we've leaned on each other as we grew our farms into the profitable six-figure farms they are today.
0: Join us as we have real, honest conversations about life and business. I promise you will leave feeling inspired and your toolbox filled with tips you can implement at any stage in your farming journey.
1: Learn from our mistakes as we talk business, marketing, and growing techniques to help you create the farm of your dreams.
0: So let's roll up our sleeves
1: and get the dirt on flowers. Okay, welcome back to another episode of The Dirt on Flowers. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today. How are you, Lindsay? How was your farm week? It was good. It's it was it was cool and then hot. Um
0: so we've been like managing those like <laughs> crazy June yes. Gemini forecasts that's been <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, just a lot of wind. Um, we had a pretty crazy mm-hmm. storm that we managed, I think since we've last chatted, but we fared pretty well for it. But yeah, it's been, it's been no, good. I God. dare I say we're caught up <laughs>
1: right now. Not So even, I'm not trying to, red. I, it's, you I'm can't because then it. something's going to happen, but it's, are, but are we ever like 100% caught up? I mean, there's always things, know. you know, going on, but I feel, I, I kind of feel the same way on our farm where June is like such a busy month. And it's a time when like you're transplanting, you're still seed starting. You've got your greenhouse crops ripping out and putting new crops in all your spring stuff is going. So it really is just like such a busy time and it's a hard month, um, at least on our farm, like a little bit financially. So um, I will be happy to start seeing the summer crops coming on for sure. Yes. Yeah. We actually, um,
0: last year, our UPIC was, we always shoot for like July fourth is our goal for the U pick, and we were like the middle of July last year, and I just kept saying, "There's something wrong. There's something off." So we did soil testing, and it um, it came back that we needed to add lime, and we were really low in organic matter. So we did all Yay, this work, and now we're awesome. opening three weeks yes. earlier. So we're opening this weekend. I know I'm excited. It's um because you're right. June just sort of like bleeds money out. You know, there's that even as even as good as you are like at managing that in between, you know,
1: spring and summer crop, uh, it's still just it's just a weird month. Yes, yes, I I couldn't agree more. Um, We actually got just spent the last week in South Carolina with our family, so we are back um, on the farm this week, busy as ever, but really happy. And I'm just like feel really blessed that the farm has gotten to a point where we can leave without such it being such like a catastrophic crop loss or just like a complete nightmare when we come home. So, um, yeah, it's been good. And I'm looking forward to future weeks, that's for sure. So um, we actually have our first guest Exciting. Our very first I know. I I and I actually know him personally. He's my hubby. Um we, we're we're breaking it in with us in with our first guest because he would go easy on us. You know, mm-hmm. he has weathered some technical difficulties over the last <laughs> <laughs> a few days, right, Lens? We're working on yeah. it. Yeah. This is this is uh,
0: just being transparent. This is take three on the weeding <laughs> episode. Okay, we're just we're keeping it real with you guys here. Um, yes. So yes, he's weathered the technical difficulties, and we. I'm very glad you're here, Judd. Welcome to the podcast.
2: Well, thank you so much. Podcasting is a lot like farming; that things don't always go perfect. So you know, amen. Roll with it and keep going.
1: Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. So today we are talking about a very important and underrated part of farming, which is weed management. So on our farm, Judd is like the, he runs like a lot of the day-to-day field operations. He's like, he's the king of like all the tractor work, transplanting, weed management, um, pest control. All that stuff is Judd. I literally couldn't do it without him. And he is a wealth of knowledge because literally on our farm and Judd will attest to this. We have, we have done, Every form? What do you think? We've
2: we've tried everything.
1: We <laughs> we have done every form of weed management that can be done. So we have learned, and you know, I mean, I think, and I know, Lindsay, you can probably attest to this, but with every farm, different things work. So we have finally gotten into our groove on our farm, um, and we'll talk a little bit about some of the different weed management methods that are out there, the pros and cons of each our personal experiences with that, and we'll let Judd just share his knowledge with all of us.
2: Awesome. Sounds I'm good. happy to be here and help out any way I can.
1: Okay. So I know a lot of newer farmers start with using black landscape fabric. So you want to talk about that one first?
2: Yeah. Um, landscape fabric, uh, some people call it woven fabric. Uh, it's probably up front it's the biggest cost initially. Um, there's a, there is some, uh, labor with burning holes and, uh, being able to roll it out and roll it back up. But what's nice about it is it has probably like the best weed barrier and, uh, it reduces the area that needs weeded versus just going into bare ground.
1: Yeah, I know Linz, when you started your farm, you used a lot of landscape fabric too. What's what's your experience?
0: Yeah, when we uh when I first started it, that was all I used was landscape fabric. And I found that um, because I think that's what you see everywhere, you know. So when I was yes. first starting, I was like, okay, this is what I have to do. Um, but there was a lot of it seemed though that the plants were stressing a lot. Um and when you guys were talking about different types of weed management, I actually manage my farm differently based on soil type. And I think we're going to dive into that a little bit later. But um, so I have completely eliminated the fabric, except in one bed that was a hay field and still gets, has pretty, um, I would say, a pretty heavy weed seed. Bank in there, and so we still use it to kind of reduce that, and I also use it in our UPIC um, because we do a lot of direct seeding down there. So I don't the the plants once they like come up in direct seed, they they aren't really stressed like a transplant does. I think in that fabric, um, but yeah, I I kind of have a love hate with it because there's definitely like Judd was saying, there's some higher upfront costs to it, but you know there is that long term investment that you have year after year reduce labor with weeding. Um, but it also tears up your hands. It's, you know, there's, there's some disadvantages of it. If you get crazy winds, like I was talking about the Gemini June winds, um, you know, it can, it can pull it up if you don't have the pins down, um, or you don't have stuff stabilized, you know, well enough. So yeah, there's, there's definitely, I've used it, we still use it, but my ultimate goal is to always Mm -hmm. eliminate it and not use it.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, when we started out, we did not do landscape fabric. We, uh, we started out mostly doing plastic, uh, biodegradable plastic, which we still use, but, uh, fabric for us pretty much at this point on our farm is just used for perennials, Mm -hmm. mostly peonies. We have about 1200 peonies on our farm and they're all in black, uh, black fabric. So we pretty much just use it at this point for that. Um, One of the reasons why is because obviously for us starting out, we only had so much money right. and the fabric was, a, you know, it, it was, it, it seems like a, as a tendency when you're a new farm, the things that gets the least amount of attention is weeds and uh, handling weeds. Cause you buy your seeds, you buy your dally tubers, you buy all these fun things. And then all of a sudden you're like, Sometimes weeding is a, is a little bit of an afterthought. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why a lot of people will struggle with it initially.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And we burn holes still depending on what it is. So we still use like our little handheld torch to burn holes. And then on some of our stuff, we'll like cr- make an X. Something, right?
2: that, something that's going to continue to get bigger. Like I mentioned peonies. When you first get your bare root peonies, like you have only a couple eyes and it's a very small hole. So we will make the holes. We actually cut it in an X. So it'll look kind of like a square. And so it'll and have flaps on it. So we'll, we'll put the peonies in there. And the idea is it has less surface area to um, get weeds in. Mm-hmm. So at, so next spring, as the peony come up, come, comes up, the uh, we just cut them a little bit bigger to allow the peonies to get up. So the first year, we took our torch and we cut a huge... Uh, hole in the, mm-hmm. in the fabric and we were just fighting weeds like crazy so yeah, that's why still I, are we, in those sections we still are, we still are.
1: yeah so. yeah okay so yes i mean landscape fabric is a great it has a higher upfront investment but you are doing some labor saving and it lasts you know it, like that plastic is well like mostly like 10 year yeah, fabric i would whatever, say so. it's
2: the least maintenance of day-to-day weeding mm-hmm. but I think it kind of bites you on the end of the season when things are like you're trying to put the farm to sleep and put your cover crop in and get your dally tubers up. Then that's when you have to cut all the, lift it up and then the weeds are getting in the way when you're lifting it up and then you have to have some place to store all that fabric. Right. So that's, Mm -hmm. that's the downside. To me, the downside is, is the end of the season.
0: Yeah. And I I think too, that the other thing, like you're saying, Judd, with that, like, the end of the season piece, but it's also if you're flipping your beds. So if you're using that in early season with like spring crop, and then, you know, it's a lot of on, off, on, off. So that's where, um, you know, it kind of ties into when we were talking about direct seeding and you were just mentioned about, you know, you, you, have these Dahlia tubers and you're seized and you're so excited, but it's like, you're really just, it's labor management and weeding. I mean, it's so much of what we do is weeding. Um, and so it's like finding, Whatever is gonna be the most um you know cost efficient, which means like for our time or our employees' time, whatever it is but yeah that the there's definitely some advantages to that fabric, and I think if you're starting out and you're trying to to manage the you know how much work is this going to be, that's definitely one way to go, especially if you have a lot of weed pressure, but if you're gonna be flipping those beds, it's definitely labor intensive to to go through and pull up the fabric and put it back down and, and all of that. So you mentioned you guys started with black plastic, went to landscape fabric a little bit, but then you're back to plastic. You want uh-huh. can you talk about what that prompted that decision?
2: Well, we originally had black plastic and then we, we basically used our fabric for our perennials. We, we never really put annual production in that, but after black plastic, um, we had some issues with making the beds full and tight enough, and then the plastic was flapping. So I, uh, started using, uh, cultivation in the bare ground and there were some problems with that. There were some pros and cons with that, but the black plastic, if you had, you guys want to talk about black plastic.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Which one do we use now again?
2: The biodegradable black plastic.
1: Yes. By BioGold, gold, I think. Yeah. Is it's the kind we, yeah. Um, yeah.
2: So the reason I like the black plastic, okay, is we have a small tractor. It's a 32 horsepower. It's a John Deere. And I basically got the smallest tractor I could get away with, with doing, using the mulch layer. And we have a Nolts RB448, and it makes a raised bed, lays the black plastic and lays the drip tape and covers the sides all in one pass. So um, if you have all your bed prep done, it could literally, you could, you could our 150 foot rows. It'll take me a minute or two to lay one row. So, but the big thing with the mulch layer and laying the plastic is bed prep. It doesn't, it likes a real fine, loose soil for doing that. And the advantages of the black plastic to me is, um, it's actually, it's easier to, uh, flip beds. So the biggest thing I'm dealing with is drip tape. So at the end of the year, I go through and I brush all the crops down and then I lightly till the surface of the bio gold and it breaks up all the roots. And I go through and I hand pull up the drip tape. And then after that, I till the rest of it in. And by the spring, I don't see any black of
1: mm-hmm. the bio gold. Yeah.
2: So that's the advantage. And obviously, uh, the in-row weeds, because when I was cultivating, I had a big issue with in-row weeds. So that's, that was the draw for us.
1: Yeah. I think the, the general process with the black plastic is that you do two tills, correct? So like one till to just like till in any cover crop and that kind of stuff. And then can you kind of explain the process?
2: So if I have a, a cover crop that say like I put a cover crop in, in the fall and then in the spring I mow it down and usually one good rototill will break that up and then I will let that sit for a week. And at the next week, I will go through and rototill it again. And what it does is all that um, organic matter that you originally rototilled in, like being out in the elements, the sun, the wind and all that stuff, it helps like kill it down. And so when you come back through the second till, it's more, it it rototills up finer. Mm -hmm. So that's why I go back through the second time.
1: Yeah. And um, so when we're planting, so he'll lay the black plastic bed and it already has the drip in it. And then pretty much, I mean, it's kind of the same process as like the black fabric, except for we kind of use a dibbler, a dibbler, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then to create holes for our transplants to go in. And then from there, they grow on. I mean, we still weed. I mean, we still have to pull weeds out of those holes.
2: So the fabric we were talking about, you either have to cut it with a knife Mm -hmm. Or you have to burn it with a, like a, we use like a little butane torch for that. But the plastic, the good thing is you could literally take your finger and, and put a hole in the plastic. Some people use like a little knife, so, but we use like a, uh, like a dibbler that does all the row spacing for us.
1: Yeah. So, and I think it, it's been a really good option. And now all of our annual production plus our dahlias, this is the mm-hmm. first year we're doing the dahlias in them. Um are all in the biodegradable plastic. Yes. So our farm has pretty much, you know, moved in that direction completely for most of our annual production.
2: And most of our uh, production is transplants at this point. But when I did it previous, I actually had a polyplant or two, and I was actually direct seeding into the bio, mm-hmm. biodegradable plastic. So that it can be done. But for us, we, we just decided to do transplants.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So any, what would you say any like cons are of the black plastic?
2: Hmm. Cons are, even for us, we, we're Bloom Hill. We, we have barely any flat ground. Mm-hmm. So for us, it, for me, it was a long, it was a decent amount of learning curve to get used to the mulch layer. Mm-hmm. At first, there was a lot of frustration with it until I just got used to it. And, uh, I wasn't making full beds and the sides of the plastic weren't getting covered and then they're blowing off in the wind and it was flapping and nothing mm-hmm. makes you more upset than that. <laughs> so it, t- it took me a little time to, uh, get used to it. So there is, you know, it's like anything, there's a learning curve with that and you can't expect it to be perfect the first time.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But, uh, I would say the, the negative thing about the mulch layer is you have to, um, get used to how the, the machine works, especially if you're on any kind of slope ground. If you're on level ground, that thing will work like a dream. But if you have any kind of slopes, it's got to take some getting used to it and working with the machine.
1: Yeah. And I would say maybe a few other cons might be reoccurring costs of the black plastic. Mm-hmm. And if you are someone who's not comfortable operating a tractor you really do need the mulch layer. Wouldn't you say to make it an efficient type? Pro- I know some people do hand lay it, don't they? You but can, but can, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would say maybe those would be some cons too. What do you think? I mean, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, the, how do you keep the edges? Layer, guess, uh, how do you, how do you oh, keep after yes. the edges, Judd?
2: So, um, man, we've tried everything. <laughs> so, I also have a planet junior walk behind cultivator and I was going along the edges with that. And it's so hard because the weeds growing up along the edge and getting along the edge and not damaging the plastic. So then I was even going through in line trimming. That was terrible. That is a, that is not how you want to use your time. So um, I finally got a little bit smarter in trial and error and I started put, putting like a row cover in and I call row cover, it's like a cover crop in the walkways in between the beds. And so basically we're choking out the weeds and we're mowing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: We have a mulching mower that we're going between the rows and uh, that's how we're maintaining it there and uh, essentially weeding. And we're also adding biomass to the soil.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Because we'll till it in at the end of the year.
1: Yeah, it seems cool. to be so, working good so far. On
0: those edges, so like where the plastic, so basically it lays the plastic in, right? And it covers it back up with some soil. So are you getting, you're, how are you managing the weeds that are right on that edge? You're just mowing right up to the plastic without hitting it then?
2: Yeah, because it makes, the plastic makes a raised bed. It's a couple inches okay. tall. Okay. And it's, it's if, if it, the beds are full, the sides of it are almost straight up and down. So if you put a, like some seed down, you could use rye. Uh, we use a little bit of rye, a little bit of wheat. They both are coming up real good. And if you have a mulching deck or, or even not even a mulching deck, it, it could, you could use a side discharge deck if you really wanted, but you could get your mower deck right up along the edge because mm-hmm. you could raise up your mower deck a little bit so you don't hit the plastic. But we, we haven't had any issues with the mower hitting the plastic. That's good. And it's worked really That's good. good. And, and like I said, uh, the idea is something kind of grows kind of quick to not allow the weeds to get going. And we we've had we've had a great success with that this year.
1: Yeah, we've had to kind of redo like the width of our aisleways too to like accommodate the mower. Mm -hmm. So you know we've like really created like all of our processes around making this weed management strategy work because we've finally like figured out our sweet spot. And I think that's like when you're trying these different methods, you're just like want to find that one that makes sense for you. So, and I think that's just really key.
2: Yeah. And the grass and the pathways to me is also another pro that is not dealing with mud because when it rains and say you have people on your farm, even employees, nobody likes trouncing around in the mud. And if you have the grass in there, it just like helps absorb the water and everything and cut down on the mud too. So Mm -hmm. uh, we did the bare ground and That's what we were dealing with and that's why we're doing this. And I I think it's going to be great. So Mm -hmm. I'm very excited.
1: Yeah. I mean, wouldn't you say from like an agro-tourism perspective? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think when I
0: first started – and this is something too that I think we've chatted about before, but um, what's your saying, Judd, where you said it's like the money's not in the pathways? Like they aren't making you money. They're just costing you money, you know? (laughs) so um, Yes. But at the same time, you know, for my upic or the workshops that we host, I mean, the agritourism is a huge piece of what my business structure is. So um, we have seven foot wide paths in our upic, but that's intentional because, you know, we have quite a few people in there. We want it to feel comfortable. And you're right, they don't want. To come to the farm they want it to look like Instagram, you know? <laughs> and so yes. um mm-hmm. you know, and it's yes, um having the grass or having something to manage those rows, um certainly it's it's a cost. Uh and I even talking about landscape fabric, you know, some of the things people do will they'll do that um six foot wide fabric where they do a four foot bed and overlap. So they basically have a two-foot walkway, you know, 18-inch walkway. And it's just not comfortable to work in either. Mm-hmm. So um, we only have one spot yeah. on our farm that we run like that. Uh, but, yeah, definitely from the from customers visiting the farm. And also we strip in the field. So that's helpful yeah. that we just, like, strip right in the field and then we can mow over it. Um, now, we don't mm-hmm. do that in the high tunnels. But, you know, that's, that's also – added, um, speed that you would be processing and hauling all that back up to the barn and then stripping it in the barn, you know? So there's, there's advantages to both sides of it.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you know, everyone is showing up to your, you pick in their fresh white tennis shoes.
0: Yes, you got it. <laughs> and,
2: and even those pathways, like you, like you were saying, the different sizes and everything. And by the way, ours are four foot in between the beds and our beds are 30 inch beds. It makes the 30 inch raised bed. So it's four foot in between. Trust me, you could mow faster than you could run a rototiller behind there, a wheel hoe in between there, even mm-hmm. the walk behind cultivators. So it's a, it's an efficient use of time. And like you said, the money's not in the pathways, but it's kinda like finding that balance mm-hmm. between comfort, looks, and practicality of it. So it's just it's it's a tough thing to to decide for your farm, but everybody has their own needs.
1: Yep. Um, So next up, I know you had mentioned that we ran the Planet Junior Cultivator. Um, Do you want to explain like a little bit about that, both like hand cultivation plus mechanical cultivation? What's the difference and what are the options there?
2: Okay. So after my first go around with the the bioplastic that I was very frustrated in, (laughs) I had lumpy cruddy beds. So I got the idea to do bare ground. I read up on it, and I started watching videos on Planet Juniors, and I thought it was a very uh, efficient, clean way to do a farm. So we switched over at that point to 30-inch beds, but we did everything on a uh, it's a three-row grid, so there's 15 inches in between. So between the left side and the right side, there's one row in the middle, 30 inches. So what we would do, so there's 15 inches in between, and the idea is that you would have this thing called a gridder, and what it would do is – it's hard for me to describe. Yeah. But basically you push it down the row mm-hmm. and it has your spacing for your, like your plants and everything. And you, and it's like foot spacing on the gritter. So if you had six inches then between each line, uh, you could put like six inch to foot. And the idea is it puts in everything in a nice straight line where you could come through and cultivate
1: mm-hmm. quickly
2: with the flowers. But our issue was – for us, we have some rocky spots in our fi- in our fields and hilly or, so we have slopes, so it, was, it made it challenging for cultivating. And also we have a lot of clay soil and just dealing with the elements. Um, starting out me and Shannon, it was me and her and a part-time employee. So you know when you have all these other things cutting flowers, making bouquets, delivering things, sometimes it was hard for us to uh, get down the timing of the cultivation. So sometimes the weeds would get a little bit away from us. So um, I think if you can make it work for your farm, I think it's a really good option. But for us, it was very difficult due to shortage of time and labor for us.
1: Yeah. When you say Planet Junior, that's like a two-wheel walk-behind cultivator that has, like, a toolbar with different attachments? Can you yeah. kind of explain? So
2: like- I say Planet Junior, okay? And it doesn't mean much to anybody because <laughs> they don't know what that is. Most people don't. So it's an old 1940s. It looks about, like, the size of a rototiller. And it has two wheels like that. And basically it has a toolbar on the back for your cultivation. And you can take one pin off and you can put different cultivators on the back. So the it's, it's a small way to cultivate – and it's self-propelled. Uh, there's a company now, Tillmore, that makes brand new options mm-hmm. of it that you can order online mm-hmm. and they ship to you. And uh, it's a it's a very nice machine. And it's a great way, I would say, it's probably efficient up to about an acre, maybe two acres in size. Mm-hmm. We use ours still to this day for our sunflowers. Mm-hmm. That's um, one of the few things that we, consistently direct seed on our farm. Mm-hmm. And we use a corn planter offset and we use the Planet Junior for that and it does a great job.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, it's yeah. that's how we mix things yeah. up. Yeah,
1: and like not all cultivating has to be mechanical. I mean, when you're cultivating weeds, which is essentially what like scratching the surface or how would you explain? Yeah, so cultivating. The
2: they say like 90% of your uh, weed seeds are in the the top inch of your soil. So the idea of like cultivating, and cultivating could be you using like a hand hoe. It could be a hoe, like a long handled, uh, hoe. It could be a wheel hoe. It could be, uh, the plant junior tillmores. It could be an Alice Chalmers G it could be all these things. And the idea is you go and you scuff the top inch of the soil where all those weed seeds are. And you're not trying to bring up any more and you just lightly scuff it and you're letting the weeds dry and die. That's what we always mm-hmm. say in cultivating is because you, <laughs> you want to do it when it's like, uh, sunny out normally, you don't want to do it when it's wet because then any weeds you just lifted, they're just going to reroute. Mm-hmm. So it's like a timing thing. So, you mm-hmm. know, to a lot of people that's intimidating.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So with, uh, with cultivating too, I think one of the things that people, it, cultivating is basically what you do before you have to start weeding. So if cultivation was done consistently, right? Like as if in a perfect world, we had nothing else to do. Cultivation stops you from having to actually go through and hand weed. So I think that's, Mm -hmm. you know, tied cultivations in with, uh, direct seeding, you know, to get those where the weed seeds don't take, take over the seeds that you've planted. And it's the same with, um, you know, even cultivating with transplants because certain weeds can, they can grow quicker than our, even our transplants do. So, um, I love the dry and die. I think it needs to be our episode <laughs> title. A, a new t-shirt? A yeah. new t-shirt yeah, perhaps. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's some swag. <laughs> dry and die. That's yeah. right, man.
2: And Lin- Lindsay, like you were saying, like cultivating, the, they say, What's, when's the best time to cultivate? They basically say before you even see the weeds. Because what <laughs> yeah. you're doing is, like you said, is stirring mm-hmm. the soil before those weeds get going. Like yeah. if you see weeds, you're, you, it's already too late kind of deal. So like I said, it's like, if you're a person, I think it's an art and I think it, mm-hmm. when it's done well, it's a, it is a beautiful thing. And I think soil health, all these things, I think, and I also feel like when things are cultivated, like when the plants, when you go by with a cultivator and you stir that ground around the plant, I feel like it always like grows a little bit more mm-hmm. like something about like, just. Agitating that soil just seems like the plants really respond to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, that's one thing I can definitely say.
0: Well, I think, too, uh, to your point that you were talking about with the rocky soil or clay, you know, when I'm doing cultivation in the upper part of our farm, which is literally like a sandbox, um, you know, it's very different than when we're attempting to cultivate on, you know, we don't have clay, but it's a much thicker mm-hmm. loamier soil when it's dry it's basically like clay so the cultivation's mm-hmm. totally different you know you're talking about going through rocks and all of that so you know taking bits of what we're saying here to make it fit you know cuz it's every every farm is sort of it's like a puzzle you know and each mm-hmm. piece of what we're talking about may not fit for your farm but maybe something that we are saying will
2: like you said it's like a lot about soil like like how your soil is, if mm-hmm. you have a lot of rocks, maybe you don't want to go through and cultivate maybe uh, the fabric's better for you. Mm-hmm. You know it's just like you like like Lindsay was saying, she has different sets set up for different spots on her farm. We do all different ones on ours, and there's a reason why because mm-hmm. you know different elevation changes, soil changes within a couple couple feet sometimes, and it's just like you just have to be in tune with your soil and, and try things. Mm-hmm.
0: So do you guys use um, mulching? Is, is that something that you guys use? Because we use, a, we use a, quite a bit of it here um, in our perennial beds. I know you talked about landscape fabric. And my um, landscape horticulture background has it very – it's very hard for me to – just put these like really pretty perennials in black plastic. Um, and part of it is <laughs> there's two, twofold. It's agritourism side for me, but it's also, you know, I know something like yarrow or rubecchia echinacea that I know naturally will do better and sprinkle itself. You know, the seeds will naturally produce more plants in a mm-hmm. landscaped bed. So that's sort of how we've switched them up. Um, even our peonies. So we're we're kind of pulling – not all of them yet, but we're slowly pulling them out and then planting other perennials within them. So we're kind of maximizing mm. that established space. But when my background with doing that, I, I worked at Ohio State and on the Arboretum. And one of the things that, you know, you learn with perennials is as they grow and they fill in, um, and we know this with just our annual plants like dahlias, for example, as they grow, they shade out and they actually just, you know, that bed itself, um, just reduces the amount of weeds that they actually have because they're not getting sunlight. Um, they're kind of, their root system alone is creating pressure to eliminate the weeds. Um, so we do like a really early weeding in the spring. Like we weed that bed, maybe, maybe one hard weeding, we put mulch down and then we weed it probably twice throughout the rest of the season. And it's, Mm -hmm. we just let it go. Um, and it stays relatively nice, but the mulching, um, you know, we found that that's just, it's definitely an added expense. Um, you know, part mm-hmm. of it is aesthetics, but part of it is for, you know, uh, moisture control, weed pressure. Um, but do you guys use much of that? Like just regular mulch?
2: <clears throat> we do not use regular like mulch that people put into like their landscape beds. What we use for mulch on our farm is we use, we call it leaf mulch. So basically we talk to local landscapers and we just say, Hey, if you're looking for a place to dump some leaves, you can dump in here. And so we've had really good luck with that. Um, We put leaf mulch in on our tunnel crops right now Mm -hmm. because we were, we have a lot of weed pressure in our, um, in our tunnels so we, this year we're doing that. And like you said, the it, not only does it take help with the weeds, but it also conserves moisture. Mm-hmm. And the tunnels sometimes, especially in the summer, even with shade cloths, boy, they get hot and they can really dry things out in a hurry. But we've also used leaf mulch with good success on dahlias mm-hmm. in the past. But we now our dahlias are to, to the scale that it's really hard to get enough leaf mulch to do all our dahlias when we have 9,000 dahlias going through and uh, putting leaf mulch on all of them is a lot. So, Mm -hmm. but we've had good success with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, um, the leaf mulch. We actually use that for like compost. We mix it in with our compost too. We get, except the landscape company, they like want money for it. I don't I don't know. They're just different around here. Maybe I need to just be like, Hey, (laughs) put it on my homeowner's.
2: I traded some Dal tubers for uh, some leaf mulch last year. So
0: <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> I, yeah,
2: I think I definitely made out in that deal.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, so, Judd, if somebody's starting out and they have intense weed pressure, let's say they have a hay field and they can, they now have a farm that they're farming on the hay field. Um, what what's advice that you would give to somebody that's just like? I have a ton of weeds. Like where do they start? Like what's give their advice.
2: Lindsay, I think you, you, you must have some good intuition because <laughs> we actually started our farm oh. in an old hay field, alfalfa field <laughs> with the very nasty roots. So I can definitely give some advice <laughs> for that. So in a perfect, perfect world, mm-hmm. the, what you would do is in the fall, September, Maybe even late August, you know, just depends on where you're at. Um, a couple weeks before frost, you want to till up whatever section you want and you should put down a cover crop, something that is really going to choke out the weeds in the springtime. And, uh, there's all kinds of different cover crops you could do. Um, what's the one with the, there's hairy vetch Mm -hmm. and, uh, has like the, uh, what's the with the deep, the turnips.
1: Radish. Radish, thank mm-hmm. you. Radish. Yeah, radish. there's like
2: mixes you can get where those will actually die off in the spring. Mm-hmm. And those will uh, – then you can literally – some people just literally plant into that because mm-hmm. they just break down in the soil mm-hmm. so you, that you don't even have to till. So there's some really cool options for that. But in a perfect we- world, that's what I would do. But um, mm-hmm. I've never used one due to due to cost when we were starting out. But um, the – um, yeah, I hear the cover,
1: the tarp, the silage, yeah. like solar, yeah, yeah. yeah, silage tarp. I think yeah.
2: that is also a great option, especially mm-hmm. like if you put it on in the fall over winter. I think that is a, is a wonderful, wonderful way to really put a big hit on the weed seed bank.
0: The uh, on those with that silage tarp, the the trick with the silage tarp on those, I think that we we use those too, but I think part of the issue with it is that people aren't leaving them on. They need to be on basically during summer months. So it's really this like year in advance or like, you know, like make sure they're planning because it needs to get where it's hot enough to actually kill mm-hmm. the weed seeds. And I forget what that temperature is. Um, it's I'll, I'll see if I can look it up here while we're on here, but I,
2: I, would, um, I would say it's like 180 or something yeah, I like think, that. I, I was
0: going to say seven, one f- Okay. I was going yeah, to say 140, but 80 the other yeah.
1: Day. yeah, I think, so. I think it's, it, it does have to get hot enough. Yeah.
0: yeah. So I think that, but we've been using that, um, like pretty consistently to like flip a new bed. So when we know we're going to add a new space, like each year, we just move it around and it's, it really does work. The only thing it doesn't kill is, um, nutsedge. It just like comes up. It's like, hey, I'm still here. <laughs> like, I still, I'm still uh, going to take over the rest of this bed. So, um, net sedge is the only thing that it just seems to thrive underneath of that stupid
1: thing. <laughs>
2: yeah. There's certain things, even like thistle.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. just
2: tough to kill.
1: I just feel like even with weeding, I think that we have to, as farmers, like develop some type of tolerance, like some level of tolerance with the weeds. Like it's never going to be one hundred percent weed free. You just have to figure out at what level we you we can try tolerate. to shoot for ninety five.
2: <laughs> we say ninety five is good enough, you know. Because <laughs> yeah. like if you you could literally get lost in weeding, where yes. like you're sitting there meticulously pulling every weed, but it's like you're not make honestly you're not making any money when you're pulling weeds. And Mm -hmm. if there was one magic pill to weed control, everybody would be doing it. Mm -hmm. But there, but Mm -hmm. that's that's why we ultimately say like, hey, try a couple things. You know, Mm -hmm. try with the best things for you, and like, it is worth your time and money to invest in a in a good plan. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And like, like I said, we didn't get a a silage start because cost. Yeah, you know, and like that's usually when you have X amount of dollars starting out, you know, you're going to buy all your seeds. You're going to get all the different varieties you want to try Mm -hmm. and that's okay. It's good to be excited. But buddy, when the weeds start coming, you don't want to be out there pulling weeds that are a foot tall. You're, you're not going to be making any money. You're not sowing any flowers. You're not making any bouquets. You're not doing any of the fun stuff you want to do. Mm -hmm. Weeding is not a fun thing, but it is a necessary thing.
1: Yeah. And it's finding that sweet spot. I think between, your crops thriving and being happy and not obviously be overrun but not overdoing it because I mean we've had um, like just talking a little bit about labor management with you know with weeding we've had employees who are like just you know super detail oriented and it would just like take them forever because they were just like every like every tiny little weed so i feel like that 90 95 is like hey we're like grabbing the big stuff you know managing that like the expectation for us as employers to the employees you know is like a learning curve for everybody so all right Jed, do you have any favorite tools
2: favorite tools there's you know what there's so many different ones because i love my mulch layer because uh at this point it just To me, it is just like an instrumental part of our farm. Like we, it just does so much good for us. Um, But I really like, we have like a wire weeder Mm -hmm. that we got from Johnny's and that is like my hot to trot weeding tool, (laughs) long handle weeding tool. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, that I would say that's my favorite, like a a wire weeder. Mm -hmm. And I also like my Planet Junior and I also like my Nolts mulch layer. Yes, I've learned to love it.
1: <laughs> you know what? With those attachments, you just have to tweak. I mean, honestly, I will say like, you know, the reason Judd has been successful and everything that he's done is because he's like, he's willing to pivot, to make changes, to like try it a different way and not get hard, get down on himself. Like he's always like looking oh, to make there's it times better. I got down on myself,
2: <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but it's like yeah. that when you're, when you're starting out farming, you know and you, you're crazy enough to do it cuz you know if you ask your anybody in your family they're going to think you're nuts for starting a flower farm don't <laughs> listen to them but you know you have to be willing to take some lumps and just keep putting yourself out there and keep trying and just listen it's like a relationship with your soil and your farm you have to listen to it mm-hmm. you can do some talking but you also got to listen <laughs> and it'll humble you if if you if you let it and you just have to give yourself some grace and you just keep pushing forward and just trying different things and just mm-hmm. keep going. That's mm-hmm. the best thing I can say. Yeah. Just do not quit.
0: That's great. Let them dry J- not die. spray it with Try all with just a bunch of
2: roundup. Kill them before you see them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I want to some days. Oh, some days. organic. Sundays. whatever. Yes.
1: <laughs> just kidding
0: oh john it was so nice to have you on here thank you for uh tolerating our yeah. glitchy technical man i just bless you
2: it, that is not a problem no no thank you You girls are doing and i listen to every episode you girls are doing an amazing job and every episode's gotten better and uh, you know just keep up the good work and I'll just so keep sweet. listening and cheering so you guys sweet.
0: On. Okay. So sweet. All right. Well, yes. thank you guys so much for joining us for another episode of the Dirt on Flowers. So if you loved what you heard today, or you love what you've been hearing, don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a future episode. Uh, sh- we would love to hear if, from you. So if you would take a minute, leave us a review um, wherever you listen to your podcast. And your review helps us get our podcast into more people's earbuds and for one lucky dirt on flowers insider next month we're offering a 15 minute free on-air coaching call so don't forget to leave us a review we're going to pick somebody out and shannon and i would love to chat with you more about farming answer your questions so head over to our instagram at dirt on flowers drop us a comment leave us a message tell us what you want to hear more of you guys have been really, um, your comments and questions have been so helpful. It's kind of helped guiding us with some more content. So, um, Mm -hmm. but thank you guys so much for joining us. We'll see you here same time, same place next week. Go get weeding.